Is this back lounge talk we're talking? Yeah, yeah I think we're there. Now. What happens in the back lounge stays in the back lounge. Okay. It could. It could. <laughs> you come or over maybe here. not. Who knows? You know, yeah. I don't know. How much money you got? Hi, my name is Joel Miller, and today we are listening to my podcast, Party Like a Rockstar. We're brought to you by Misha's Kind Foods. They're an L.A.-based small business making the world's finest non-dairy cheese spreads on the market today. They're delicious and healthy, made from a cashew and almond milk, and blended with various locally sourced fresh herbs, vegetables, and spices. No vegetable oils, soy, fillers, starches, or nutritional yeast. Today, we have Tony Moon. He's toured for 37 years working as a tech production manager, stage manager, carpenter, and a rigger. He's worked for Ozfest, Boston, Foreigner, Shinedown, Kid Rock, Megadeth, Sean Mendes, Neil Young, Matchbox 20, White Snake, Velvet Revolver, Rob Zombie, and he's teched as well. <laughs> he's teched for pretty much everyone. <laughs> Bill Ward, Rick Allen, Ricky Rocket, the guys in Three Dog Night, Tommy Aldridge, Frankie Benali, Jonathan Moffat. And seriously, the list just went on and on and on and on. Keith Marks has worked for Night Ranger, Survivor, Berlin, Enough is Enough. He's toured with Sticks for over 20 years. His first tour was in the year I was born. Sorry, here to hate you, my friend. 1977, my birthday was yesterday, actually. And I was born in 1977, Keith. And it was for Burt Bacharach and Diane Warwick. So when you guys get going on with a career, when you start to decide what you want to do, what are you going to do? <laughs> I don't know what I want to be when I grow up yet. I'm still trying yeah. to figure it out. Dude, looking through your guys' resumes, I'm sort of like, just I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's a lot of touring. That's a lot, a lot, a lot of touring. So, well, I don't, I never planned on that. I no, Tony did. I didn't get up one day and go, oh, I think I'm going to spend the rest next 40 years on the road. It just happened. How did it happen? So that's usually the with one of the ways to start. What what was your real quick for me? I worked sure. at a music store. I was a guitar player. Okay, and you know all that stuff. And he had a PA system, and that's how we 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 did the first run was Burt Bacharach, Dan Warwick, right? And that went into and it was a little community PA. I'm sure Tony remembers these these big uh, fiberglass boxes. You know, you stack them up. So I took the PA oh, yeah. out. I learned you know, about PAs and things like that. First time I ever stayed in a, in a, on the road, you know, and that rolled into, what was the next one? Jeff Lorber. Uh, now Jeff had a sax player in his band named Kenny Gorlick. This is 1977, 76, somewhere around there. And that was Kenny G. First time I met him. Oh. And that rolled into Sonny Rollins. So it was really diverse working for a PA company. Um, and that's kind of how it happened to me. He goes, Hey, we're going to put you on the P, you know, get in that truck. Go, okay. I didn't go to college. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And that's kind of how it, then I started mixing bands. So from there, it, it just kind of took off. Tony can probably say how he started. You know, What's tough. That's how it started for me. Is it tough for raising two teenage daughters or is it tough for working with the crew? <laughs> Dude, I was never home. That's another story. The yeah family thing it's hard i would imagine we'll get into that later but, all right uh, fair enough yeah it, it ain't easy so tony how did you uh get into the business man dumb luck man just dumb luck i was uh 
I was still in high school and I was just a big fan of music. And I had friends that were musicians. Uh, I, I was a, you know, I was like in a, you know, the school band, you know, a drummer or whatever, but I was never really a musician. I played saxophone, but I still never really considered myself a musician. Yeah. I was just, I, I just loved music, big fan. So uh, I started working with some guys who were, you know, like their brothers or older brothers had bands and, you know, we would start, uh, we would just help them out. And this was in about the same time as Keith, probably around 1977, something like that. I was, I was still in high school. Um, and then I started, and then these bands started playing back then you, you go into clubs and you, you'd play a club for a week. Like you'd load in on a, a Monday or a Tuesday and you play four sets a night all week. And yeah. then on, on Sunday, you, you Saturday or Sunday, you'd load out. So I worked with a couple of bands doing that up and down the East Coast. Uh, and I landed uh, I landed in Cincinnati, oddly enough. And I met some road guys from Frank Zappa in 1984. So from 1977 to 1984, I did nothing but clubs. And I, I, I really, I mean, it was just a labor of love. You really didn't make any money doing that. Keith can probably attest to it in the beginning. I mean, the, the money never even really came into the picture. You didn't care. You just wanted to live the life. At least that's what it was for me. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and I got lucky. Um, there was uh, uh, the guy who ran the recording truck. His name's Mark Pinsky. In fact, uh, Mark was was with us until until uh, last year, uh, or maybe it was earlier this year. He he just passed away. He was one of my dearest friends. Sorry. Uh, he ran Frank's recording truck, and he also did. Um, he, he worked up at, at Frank's house. And uh, he met me and he said, hey, I want you to introduce you to, uh, to to the production manager. His name was Ted Gardner, who later became one third of Lollapalooza. Oh, um, and Ted, Ted's still around. He's in Australia. He's got a company called Larrick and Management he manages bands now. OK. And uh, and they offered me they offered me a job. They called me from Europe and said, hey, our drum tech, bass tech just quit. Do you have a passport? <laughs> And that's how I began, man. And, uh, you know, uh, I did that tour and I, I, I came home and I decided I was going to move to L.A. I moved to L.A. in 1985 and I never looked back. When you did know, you leave L.A.? Just, uh, I left L.A. I left L.A. a couple times, but the last time I left there was in uh, 2001. OK, I moved back to moved back to Florida and I've been here ever since. Um, but I, I lived in LA pretty much solid off and on when I wasn't on the road, of course, back in the eighties and nineties, you know, when you went on the road, your tour would last six, eight, nine months, a year. Sometimes you'd have a couple weeks before between countries. And, and then you go back on the road again. I can remember at one point I didn't, I didn't see home for two and a half years. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a much different, uh, touring dynamic back then than, than it is now. I mean, some bands that, you know, do tour like that, but, uh, but not really. Um, you know, they'll do, it's not really an album cycle per se anymore because people don't really sell albums anymore. Yeah. No, it's so, the downloads uh, on Spotify or whatever. It's the songs now rather than the albums again, I think. Well, they have to make yeah. money from touring. They can't make yeah. their money from record sales. Oh, there is none. never come off the road. Right. You know, unless they decide to, <clears throat> you know, I mean, it's just the way it is. It's it's touring merch and publishing deals, uh, you know, selling their songs for 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 whatever. You know, if some bands do that, some, some bands don't. You guys seen some uh, of but, these ones? The Stevie Nick catalog. Uh, oh, Neil yeah. Young just did. I mean, just crazy money. 
Well, they're doing yeah. it now. They're doing it right now. Yeah, now they're doing because it. they're getting older, and that's their retirement plan. Yeah, you're, you're in your mid seventies. You know, Bob Dylan just sold his for what twenty million, whatever it was. Um, he's not going to live forever. It's a nice yeah. retirement. You know, it's the new mailbox money. Well, yeah. I guess it's the old school tit for tat trade rather than uh, payment on the till. You know, I guess. Uh, What's his name? Uh, Tom Hanks did Forrest Gump. He took all the money on the back end. He didn't take any money to do the role. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it in hindsight. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it worked out for everyone involved. This Good. Happened. Everyone Good. made money. Is this back lounge talk we're talking? Yeah, yeah I think we're there. Lounge. What happens in the back lounge stays in the back lounge. Okay. It could. It could. <laughs> you come over here? Maybe not. Who knows? You know, yeah. I, I don't know. How much money you got? Yeah. <laughs> I'll trade you. I'll trade you. Know. Let me check uh, CNBC here real quick. I'll tell you now. So I th- just to, to jump on Tony's backstory, I started a cartridge company in Chicago. Right. I got a call from Steve Rodby, who was the bass player in Pat Metheny's band to move some gear. And he was tied into all of the studio guys. So this was 1982, probably. And I was still working at that music store, still making no money, taking the PA out, you know, when it, when it got booked, coming back, selling guitars, playing in my band, making no money. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, I made a couple hundred bucks in an hour. And I'm like, ding, you know, sure. this is, you know, and I got tied in with every studio musician in Chicago. They all used me. I was running from session to session to session. And I wound up at Gary Lewiso's studio. And who was there? Sticks. And they never let me go. That was it. As soon as they saw what was going on, they said, wait a minute. Who, who, who is this guy? And Dennis and I still, I talked to him the other day. I mean, That's it's great. a 40-year relationship. Have you heard their new album? I was just reading they're gonna it's uh their first new studio album in four years is called Crash of the Crown, and they're set to release it June 18th. Have you had I a chance the to title track? Um, and Dennis sent me <clears throat> excuse me, he sent me his new record. Sounds great. You know, it's uh, for Sticks fans, they, they get double. They get Dennis's solo stuff, which sounds like Sticks. They get Sticks's uh uh new record, you know. So it's a twofer to get whatever they get. You know, I mean, they're, they're, it's a bonus for them. Yeah. I don't think it's ever going to happen where they're going to get back together. So. Well, usually these things happen when somebody needs the money and then all of a sudden they get their own bus <laughs> and well, things change. So I know that Dennis wants to do one last go around for the fans with the original band. I know that uh, everyone has their eye on the hall of fame. You know, they've been at it for 50 years uh, this year. 72 will be 50 years since they signed their first deal, recording deal. And fans wow. like that should be in the Hall of Fame. Boston isn't in there. Styx isn't in there. Ario Speedwagon isn't in there. Then so Lizzie. They're getting there. They're then getting Lizzie. there. But, but it may take some time. So. so what do you think about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I brought it up in the last couple of ones just to get people's take and what they think. Well, Tony, you want to take that first? Um, You know... I, you know, you, you hear what you hear. I, I don't I don't really have an opinion on it. You know, I, I think it's great when when people get inducted into anything where, uh, you know, they're, they're they're getting their accolades, you know, uh, because they deserve it. You know, like right. like, like he right. said, you know, and before um, they die, too, would be nice. So. Sure. You know, yeah. Sticks, Boston. I mean, all these bands, these iconic bands from the, from the pretty much the 70s. 
Um, the, the, I mean, the, the music is timeless, you know, um, Foreigner, same thing. Same thing. Uh, you, you know, they're just, they're, they're amazing. They had amazing skills of songwriting, uh, you know, back before, you know, there was any Pro Tools or anything like that. I mean, it was, these, these guys were, I mean, they were, they were cutting it. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was done right. And they had, they had true talent of the, of the time. You know, and I think that they, I think whatever it is, I think they should be, you know, celebrated. I mean, I know that they only do so many every year. I think I don't, I don't really follow it to be quite honest with you Um, because I like a band. I like a band. I don't really care if they're, if they're in the hall of fame or whatever, but for a lot of fans, you know, it it makes a a big difference. And I think also for, uh, for the bands themselves, it kind of breathes, sometimes it breathes some new life into them. You know, if, Uh. if they're, if they haven't been relevant in a while, some people discover them and you see it trending or whatever. Um, and, I, and I think that's good. I mean, I think that anytime that we are celebrating music for any reason uh, is a positive, you know, because I think positive uh, music is a very, a very positive thing in, in, in sure. life. I mean, sure. if, if I didn't have music, I don't know where I would have wound up, you know, I mean, probably not in a good place, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. you know, because uh, pe- people who, t- who tend to, to get in this business back then, you know, were you know, bit of bit of rebels. You know what I mean? Even now, there's it's still the same, but it's a little bit different. There's some very very smart college educated people that are now in this business in all different levels uh, and different things. But to get back to uh, you know your your initial question, um, you know, I, I try not to have too much of an opinion of it, but um, you know, I, I I like to see people just be celebrated, particularly yeah. very talented people that. You know, like Keith and I've worked with. I mean, we met each other on the Boston Sticks tour. He was doing okay. Sticks. I was doing Boston. I think that wasn't that the first time we met. It Keith? was. It was 07, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I was lucky enough to work with two Hall of Famers in the Vegas show that I did. You know, Howard Lease from Heart mm-hmm. and uh, Huey McDonald from Bon Jovi. Both of them were in my show, our show. Uh, and I saw how important it was to them. It was just a validation that they they did good work, and they were recognized. And and to them, it was if I was playing in a big band and I had all the success, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame would mean something. You know, I think it really would. You know, so I had a guy on here. His name's Martin Popoff, and he's a I know really him. you know him. He's a real serious, uh, serious, serious music journalist, mostly for metal. He's written over a hundred books. And he's uh, he's actually a big Sticks fan, so we were chatting about Sticks uh, briefly, and his take was interesting because um, what he said is it gives it it gives me something to write about to talk about. You bring these artists back in the limelight, and as a music enthusiast, which he still is, um, it gives me something to to talk about, whether better for worse, whatever. It brings relevancy back to those artists who haven't done anything maybe in a little bit. For that alone, I love it. I love it. It keeps the music alive. That was a really cool take. I, I, I thought that was interesting. I'd never thought of it that way before. You know, uh, my take was, uh, how do they get in? Is it album sales? You know, because like in the, in the major league baseball, it's ERA or it's how many home runs they hit and they have statistics. Voting. I think they vote. Well, There's they voting. vote, but some of it, you know, and then you have uh, Jay Z's getting in. How is that? How's that rock and roll? So where, where does the where does it stop? Where they need to make another place? But um, it's fun and games. And at the end of the day, if it does make a guy 
who's worked his ass off for 50 years, you know, get to play with a, with a couple friends or relatives on stage, depending on who, what band and enjoy themselves. And then as the consumer, we get to well, live it up too. Yeah, maybe a guy like me should chill out and enjoy it. So it was interesting. What he said made me change my mind. It was cool. The, the yeah, benefit of saw, being a music journalist. <laughs> yeah. And I saw Huey because Huey was a, an anomaly because mm-hmm. Hugh played on every Bon Jovi record mm-hmm. from the demos all the way through everything and was never a member of the band. Oh. And so technically, he really wasn't eligible. But John wrote a letter and said, this guy needs to be in with us because he was an integral part of this band. You know, the other bass player got in as well. Cool. So they, they included him in it as well. I mean, he was the MVP. And now he's, a full, now he's in the band. He's been in the band for a couple of decades. Yeah. But back then, it was the other guy. I can't remember his name. But yeah. it's Huey playing those parts. Were you a big fan of Boston when you went out with them, Tony? Oh, yeah. Huge fan of Boston. I mean... You know, Tom, Tom Schultz is a he, you know he's a genius. He's a crazy genius. Yeah. Uh, and anybody who's who's been out there with him, you know, knows that he's uh, he's he's a very unique individual. Um, I mean, it still amazes me that he, you know, wrote all that, produced it, and recorded it in his basement studio in his house. I mean, it's just it's it's insane to think that. On a, on you know, a console I mean, that I think he built. Yeah, some crazy eighteen-track recorder I mean, or something. It was. I mean, he's a he's an MIT graduate, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. I uh, don't want to speak out of turn about Tom, um, but um, but I have a great deal of respect for Tom. Uh, I love Tom. I would I would go back to work for Boston anytime. But um, you, you know, he's. I mean, he he's got. You know, I, I don't know how many patents. Uh, I think he's more than twenty patents in his name. Uh, for different things. I mean, he's just, he's a, he's an inventor. You know what I mean? He's, he's just that, that, that guy that, you know, you'd never get bored of, of uh, hanging out with or talking to. That's neat. You know, I watched, uh, they got some videos with Les Paul and he's playing and he'll bring it. There was like one room and it was filled with just massive, massive rock stars. And he brought up, I think it was Billy Gibbons and he doesn't know who he is. He gets his name wrong. And the, the interplay is fantastic because Billy is a hell of a good sport when you're with, and he's with his, one of his icons. It was very, it was, you got to find it on YouTube. It's really fun to watch. It's only like 10 minutes or so. But they start playing something. He goes, you know how to play this song, son? And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll manage, I'll manage. <laughs> it was really good to see. It was really good. You know, and then when Brian May gets up, he goes, oh, about this guy. This is Brian May from, a, from Queen. <laughs> and he gets all excited but the right. zz top guy's like okay next go get a haircut next next <laughs> less is less I, I had the pleasure of meeting him uh when tommy and i went to see him at the club iridium in new york because he used to play every monday night and we we got to spend time with him in the dressing room while he was eating dinner between shows huh. and i think he was like 85 at the time and just the sweetest man ever and that's, that's one of my great. most prized possessions is a photo that Tommy made me. He goes, you need a picture. And so we, because I never asked for pictures. I'm not, I'm not that guy. Yeah. It's a rock star. I'm sure Tony can, can relate. No, we yeah, I, I don't, we I, I never do that. No. Never, never, ever, never but do I. Tommy never made me 
take the picture and it's in my office and and it's uh so it was one of, it was a great night and he called tommy up to play with him and he goes where's that tom guy <laughs> and tommy came up and played with him and uh it was great it was just a great evening so i have i only have i you know i toured for a few years it's nothing like you guys but i, I only have one and it was because of that hey we didn't have the camera phones that everybody's using so easily now anyway but um the only one i had was with the stone temple pilots and they all dressed in drag at a Halloween show, and I'm with them all in drag. <laughs> and so I was, uh, I was born in Cambridge, England, and I wrote to them to see if they'd want to publicize my book, do any kind of thing. And they're like, well, you need to send us photos with you and all the rock stars. And I'm like, well, it's a short list because they're <laughs> I'm not there to really take photographs with them. <laughs> so I, I didn't really have anything to send. I sent them the picture of me and drag with all of them, and they didn't respond. <laughs> they did. <laughs> I was done. So they didn't. No publicity coming from Cambridge, England. <laughs> it was good. Uh, when you were out with uh, Velvet Revolver, was uh, you know when I when I toured with Scott, I I, uh, I never really had, I never saw any issues. I was a kid though; I was in my early twenties. I don't think it was hidden from me. I think he was honestly being a good boy, but um, I, I don't, uh, I didn't see the dark side of any of that. I know when he left Velvet Revolver, Slash had one of the best quotes. I, I'm going to say it maybe incorrectly a little, but it was, we're giving them back to you the way you gave them to us. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny. But did you have issues with Scott? Was he was he all right when you were touring with him? Well, you know, I, I never had issues with Scott. You know, Scott was very, he was very private. Um, I, I saw every aspect of of Scott that I think from, you know, I mean, I saw the, all the aspects that I can attest to. Yeah. Um, I saw him, I saw him when he was sober, uh, when he was mostly sober and I saw him when he was completely not sober. Yeah. Um, so he, he went through in the, you know, in the beginning when I got there, I think he was, he was mostly sober. And I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, his relationship with, with Duff uh, you know, Duff's the one that kind of found him in the gym or, or took him to the gym and saw him there and said, Hey, you know, we're, we're starting this thing called the project, you know, you should come check it out. And I think that was how he wound up, you know, being in the band. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there, it just, it, it was a, I think it was very turbulent. I think Scott had, you know, he had a lot of demons. He was really, I think he was really genuinely a good guy. Yeah, um, I never personally never had any issues with him because I barely had any interaction with him. Yeah, um, you know, the, I think the the person who had the most interaction with him was 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 the band themselves, um, the the tour manager, uh, or um, or the you know Sam Ricebridger who who now works for he works for Guns N' Roses. Yeah, um, but he but he was like the dressing room guy. He was like the you know he took care of everything you know, in the dress rooms and backstage and stuff. And, and he had to deal with Scott a little bit. And of course, Scott had a handler that did, dealt with him. But, but for me, no, you know, I didn't really, you know, either he was, was a, there, he was, was there it, at Showtime or he wasn't. <laughs> was it Heavy C or a different guy who was the handler? I can't remember his name right now. I don't, uh, I don't think it was Heavy C. Heavy C is um, a really nice guy. I I like Scott a lot. And I, I was, uh, I've only ever yeah. said things about him. So it's always good to ask and to see what people have to say. Cause I think at the end of the day, or I, I know at the end of the day, he was a good guy. He was a really yeah. good guy. And I think he was yeah. a fantastic frontman. And he was also a Guns N' Roses fan. <laughs> so yeah. when they recorded their album, Shangri La Da, they did it up in Malibu and the next door neighbor to the house they were recording in was Axel. And so I was about to go out with a uh, Charlie Hernandez was hiring me to go out with guns. And um, he 
he was asking me all these questions about Axel and I'm just laughing like Scott Weiland cares that much. And I, and I made this big deal. I'm like, Oh, cause Scott was playing tennis up at the house. Well, he's a very good tennis player. He goes, really? I'm like, Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and then he'd be like, he doesn't fucking play tennis. Does he? I'm like, I don't know, man. Why would he, why would he bring me to watch him play tennis? What are you even doing here? You know, we're not even hiring you. What are you doing here? So I, I had a good time with him. I, I liked him a lot. And so and his son recently came out with, I don't know if it was a song or an album, but you know, they did it with a couple of the other kids from uh, one of the sons of one of the guys in Metallica. One, it was really, really good. So high hopes, you know, keep it all going, keep the fun and, and all of that alive. It was cool. So when I worked for Poison, you, you were a tech for Ricky Rocket, I read here. I remember with Poison, Ricky would throw the, the drumsticks up more than like anybody I'd ever toured with. <laughs> Did he learn that from you or was he still doing it back then? It was just, he could have been a uh, juggler. Uh no, no, he, you know, he, he did stuff like that. I was with him from 1987 to 1989. When I, when I started working for Poison, they had sold um, about, I think, 100 or 150,000 copies of, uh, of uh, the first record. And when I stopped working for them two and a half years later, they had sold 15 million copies. So I, I watched them go through the whole gamut of yeah. you know of, of rising when we started we were opening for rat and that's oh, sure. actually in fact in fact i was charlie hernandez was the production manager for rat at the time oh. so uh and and opie was the opie was the lighting crew chief who so now I like does because uh, we're fellow redheads Opie's awesome yeah we're fellow yeah, redheads. Yeah. Opie... so keith keith sent me his resume which i thought was great everything was spelled correctly which was one of the first everything was spelled correctly and he had his references and the first one there was opie and i was like oh my fellow redhead from touring so i thought it was cool yeah yeah opie opie's kind of he's, he's one of my mentors you know i'm charlie or not Keith, uh, I'm so, sorry. Or Tony, it was Tony who sent me his yeah, resume. Tony, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. No, Tony That's sent all right. it. But everything was still spelled correctly. I'm sure yeah, Keith I, was I, spelled I, correctly I'm too. A, I don't I'm know. A real, I'm a real stickler for, you know, like even when I type emails, if I make a mistake and I hit send and I, I read it, like I'll read it after I send. I'm like, oh, damn it. You know, I made it. And I try way. not to do that. You know, I, so I think I, it's important because yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of people now you get, it's so funny because kids will send you the resumes. And like things aren't capitalized, and there's no punctuation, and there's one one sentence that's you know that should be three paragraphs. That's one, you know what I mean? It's like exactly. everything's run together, and it's like, whoa, wait a minute, you know, you nobody's nobody's even going to read this. <laughs> yeah, my one I'll do is I'll, I'll send the email, and, and it says, "Hey Bob," and I meant to send it to "Hey Keith," and I'm like, "Oh God, I'm gonna look like such an idiot." Those are the worst ones. <laughs> yeah. I do that with text messages. I send it to the wrong person. I'm like, oh, God, I hope. hope My problem with the text messages is I'll, I'll be trying to send a text and then the phone will call the person. Be like, hey, man, it's like one in the morning. I, I know I meant to text you on the stupid phone, man. I'm really and I do that all the time. <laughs> so all the wonderful inventions. Did either of you ever tour with Rigger Dan? I did. Did you? Yeah, was he was. He was he was Opie's rigger. We did uh, we did some Ozfest together. It's the same rigger Dan you're speaking of. It is, yeah, it is. It's, it is. I just wasn't. Yeah, no, Rig, rigger Dan was amazing. I mean, he he was he was a great guy, and and uh, you know when when he when he passed, it was a huge shock. I was there, uh, you know, with Opie at the time because it happened oh. on on our watch. I, I can't remember if it was Ozzy or Sabbath. I did about five years in there with Opie doing between the two. Yeah. Um, and uh it you know yeah it was yeah 
tragic, tragic. Yeah. I mean, just, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what are you kidding me? Yeah. No, I was, no, it was not a joke. Yeah. I was, I was, I actually, so I made a film and I dedicated my film to Dan and his mom and his sister came out. And they watched great. the film and it was cool. Yeah, try to do your best. I'll talk to his mom when I can. I try to reach out like once a year and catch up with her. Such a nice lady. And so you know, he was like a tough guy, this guy. Did, did you know who I'm talking about, Keith, at all? Or Yeah, I think we've, we've crossed paths, but it was never, a, it was more of an acquaintance. Great. He was nutty in a fantastically wonderful way. <laughs> I had these great conversations of just like, seriously what the hell are you talking about you know where did you come up with this just a really fun character and uh yeah yeah there's a lot you know and that's why some of these i've been trying to bring up from what a little i know from my few years there's some of these guys that aren't around anymore just so we don't all forget them man because they were they were great colorful figures that made you know your career is that much more interesting what was hanging out with these guys where you had, you had one line here keith you're doing this show or did the show raiding the rock vault and I read this uh, interview and it, <clears throat> and it said that you handed the musician the instrument and said, here you go, play the right notes. <laughs> oh, that's Howard. Yeah. I, that I was second for Howard. <laughs> it's like, you know, what are you going to tell the Hall of Famer? You know? Playing the right notes. <laughs> but I love the idea of it. You know, keep it simple, man. Here you go. Here you go. Run with it, my friend. Run with it. Yeah. So a bit of fun. Me forever. That one and the one about selling shoes. What was the shoes? Uh, somebody asked me, you know, why do you stay in this business? I said, well, when the lights go down and the band hits the stage, you just don't get that feeling from selling shoes. It just doesn't happen. And that's Tony knows what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, very true. There's nothing, there's nothing else like it, man. No, I mean, it's, no. you know, the business, I mean, as far as business goes, I mean, I mean, what can you say? You know, it, it's a, it, it's a, it can be, it can be a very harsh business to business that we're in, not just the lifestyle, but, but, but just, you know, uh, just having to deal with, with everybody you deal with every day. And, you know, some people are better at their jobs than others. Uh, you know, you treat everybody the same. Yep. Um, some people like you, some people don't, um, you know, there's no, we have no union, you know, there's no, it's, it's just sort of like a handshake etiquette type thing. You know, our, our whole business is it's, it's, uh, and we have to sell can, the police, you know, it's, it's, yeah, absolutely. You know, especially when you're on a, and, and I wanted to bring this point up when you're on a co-headlining tour, uh, it's guys like Tony that make it easy because there's a level of respect because there's going to be, and especially on a tour where you're flip-flopping, we didn't have that with Boston, but, you know, Tony, and I got along great. Uh, yeah. At least I think we did um, <laughs> because everybody knows their job. And I, and I've done a million where they're flip-flopping. And as long as the other production managers on the same page and has, you know, level, some level of respect for what we're trying to accomplish at the end of the day, uh, it goes miles you know, uh, and, and Tony and I, you know, we'll be friends for a long time until one of us leaves, you know. Uh, right. And I remember, I remember people like that. So the first time, you know, when you said, hey, who would you like to do it with? You know, I, Tony, he's a great guy, you know, and, and, oh, thank and, a, you. Great, and a great production manager, by the way, because I steal from everybody. 
Yeah. <laughs> come, come, coming from you, Keith, that's, that, that's big, man. Thank, thank, well, thank you so much. You know, well, it's um, much appreciated too. It, yeah. When, uh, when we, when we toured together, I was just, I was amazed because, you know, Boston, Boston, uh, is, 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 is full of all kinds of surprises. <laughs> Well, and, well, uh, I and I definitely had my work cut out for me on that tour, especially putting together the the whole thing in the beginning. Yeah, uh, it was kind of crazy the way the whole thing came together. But then when Keith came in, I was like, "Oh boy, Sticks!" You know, and I was I'm a huge Sticks fan. I mean, I can remember when I was in junior high school, you know, listening to Sticks songs on the radio, and I just, you know, it, it was just it was so cool. And then all of a sudden, here is this band. They were now I can't remember. Was it technically a co-headlining tour? I don't remember. It was. I, I think it, flip, we we treated the, it like that. You know, yeah, we treated it like a co-headline You guys always closed. Right. Well, I yeah. think it would have been pretty hard for me to get all that off the stage no. in 30 minutes and get Wouldn't you happen. up and running. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. But um, but no, I the f- first thing I thought was, wow, this is a tight ship. You know, th- these guys have it together because you did. I mean, it was it was running like a top. I had a great crew. A great Everything. Crew. You know, we had a good time on that tour. I still have, uh, I still have that picture hanging um, what used to be my office. Now it's a second bedroom, um, you know, up where we, we took the picture in Alfreda. Do you remember that picture? You mean this one? I, I have it matted and framed. Um, <laughs> I might just have to office. take my, I might have to take it, my computer in there in a minute just to show it to you. I had it matted and framed and, and it's, yeah, nice. very, very cool. No, it was a good time. I mean, that was one, of, that was a tour that I'll always remember. You know, we Me did too. a million with Ario Speedwagon, but, you know, one with Boston, because they kicked ass every night. I mean, to see Tom Scholes and, and, and me, I was like a little kid, you know. Uh, Sounded just like the record every night. Huge respect for that man. And for Tom, just like just like Tony. But the crews really gelled, you know. So a few bumps in the road, you know, when we started off. But it really it wound up being a great experience. It really did. And obviously, you know, Tony's a great, a great production manager. So it starts at the top. Oh, two such good band, you know, to, to take it down a notch. Sorry guys, but I, mm-hmm. so I, come sail away. Right. I'm in high school, such a great song, loving it, listening to all the time, Mr. Roboto. And then uh, I went to a strip club of 17 years old and she, she danced to crystal ball <laughs> and I'm sorry, but crystal ball wow. is the best thing song now ever guys. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that'll be, but I saw that band play in a club in Chicago. Cause I'm from Chicago. Oh, wow. Six people. And I brought four of them. Uh, wow. because I thought I heard the first record. I thought they were cool, you know, and went and saw them and they played like they were in an arena. You know, they played to that. Those six people mattered to them. And I saw them at a supermarket opening on a flatbed truck. You know, this is all before they hit. Yeah. You know, they were kind of a big deal around Chicago, but, but I saw how hard they worked and, uh, I was honored to work with them for as long as I did. You know, it was, yeah, uh, I saw, um, one of the, sing- the singer and he, he tours with his wife and so he, he was oh, Dennis. Dennis Dennis and so he's singing the songs and he goes you know all these are about her you know and, and he meant it and you kind yeah, of uh yeah you know, it was, that was it nice that was such a nice touch because I looked I'm like oh how cool is that you know Neil Diamond I saw Neil Diamond years ago and uh he's like you know my mom she, where's my mom where's my mom and, you know he goes this is this is my this is my first number one hit, I think it was. And he goes, This is about my mom. And she's right there. Hi, mom. Well, <laughs> and I love great. it when you can make it so personal. So great. This is about my grandma. It's called Coming to America. And you're kind of like, good God, man. Just, Oddly yeah. enough, in t- in 2016, uh 
uh, Dennis DeYoung was the was the support band for Boston on that tour we did, right, the 40th anniversary tour. And uh, I tell you what, I, when I met him, I was like, this is like one of the funniest guys I have ever yes. met in my life. <laughs> what a great guy. Yeah. I mean, he's he's just he's so positive and upbeat and and just funny, you know. Yeah, I'd never I met actually, him before, so I was I was kind of awestruck because I knew that was you know that's the the voice of you know the stick songs that you know that I that I grew up on, right? And, oh, yeah. and uh, you know he's just crazy, crazy, hell of a singer. You know, yeah, because I was on a place called the Canyon Club in L.A. It's it's a venue here. It's a smaller venue. So watching a guy like that in a smaller venue belt that belt those songs out was in the original keys. And absolutely in the original keys so does the original band so does sticks the, they haven't dropped the keys yet but that's um, neat he's still he's still got it and he's still a great guy and i you know we talk all the time and um i wish him the best you know i hope he's happy you know when you did um when you did three dog night were you out with david morgan is that before him uh, david morgan I think, was, I think it was me you're talking to tony right yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if Keith, Keith, did you do Three Dog Night? Nope. <laughs> no, I think I did Three Dog Night. It was uh, it was right after I moved to LA. It was one of the first gigs that I got. Um, I think it was uh, it was nineteen eighty. It was eighty five or eighty six. Um, but no, um, I'm trying to remember the guys in the band. The guys in the band were great. So Corey was there. Danny was there. Chuck was not there. Uh, oh, he was the he... only. So it was two dogs. Right. He replaced Chuck. And, Chuck's the one who passed away, right? No. Uh, no. No, Chuck's still alive. The other two have now passed away. Okay. The two guys I worked with are gone, and Chuck is now the only surviving guy. Okay. You know? Which okay. is yeah. ironic. So David Morgan's been singing with him. Uh, he replaced one of the guys who passed away, and uh, he's been with him for like 15 years. And uh, I actually Probably released... Corey, I think. Because I think Corey... Didn't Corey pass first, and then and then Danny? Just recently, like in the last couple of years, I think. I, I'm not I sure. I could so. have that backwards. I'm just amazed that Chuck is the last one standing. Yeah, yeah. me too, because we've all heard the Chuck stories. Uh, read the book. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Read the he book. He lived a little. Yeah, he sent yeah. me the book. It's amazing. Oh, that's cool. That was a great um, experience for me. That was, that was just two of us on the crew doing the whole band um, and doing everything. Oh. So... You know, I've been there. That's yeah. how we started with Night Ranger. <laughs> Driving the truck, you know. <laughs> That's the only thing I didn't do. Yeah. Drive the truck. I wanted yeah. to I wanted to go with the driver of the truck one night just to check it out and see the road. And Charlie, uh, he wouldn't let me. He's like, you're not getting the truck with that fucking guy. Is there something wrong with you? Get in the goddamn bus and go to sleep. I'm, okay, sorry, sir. <laughs> right. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Don't argue with Charlie. No, no. No, I still fear him, and I haven't seen him in many years, but I, I definitely fear the man. But I actually, I fear him out of love. He helped raise me, for, for real. He taught me things that um, will be a part of the, what made me, I don't know, for better or for worse. I'd like to think better. I try to be a stand-up guy, but uh, he was an absolute second father to me, so I, I hold him. He always him. treated me fairly when yeah. we came into one of his shows as a support act, um, so I can't say uh, he's a legend, you know, yeah. he's been around forever. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, does he have a real sweet side? And I used to be like, well, 
don't piss them off. <laughs> You'll be all right. <laughs> You'll be all right. So be good. Everybody's reminds me of Jake. He reminds me of Jake a little bit. Jake Barry. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Good guy. Another good guy. <laughs> so, um, what a, a couple fun ones to see if it goes anywhere. But uh, what are the oddest people you remember seeing on the guest list? Of like, wow, that guy would want to come see this band. <laughs> Anything ring a bell? Tough one. I need a minute. Well, I need a minute to think about that. Well, I can... Oh, Lisa Marie Presley. Oh, for who? Who does she come want see? Kid Rock. Oh, I love Kid Rock. By the way, you know you and, and it was in New Jersey, no doubt. It was at uh, it was in Homedale. You know at that at the uh, uh, PNC. At, yeah, at PNC. Yeah. Yeah. I love the PNC yeah. Art Center when I well when I, back in so two thousand. But it was uh, the father, the grandfather, the granddaughters. Everybody worked together to get you in, get you out. And they were the nicest family. They were such good people. So it was always one of my favorite venues because I knew when I'd go there, uh, it's cool to be with like genuine family all helping you with a big smile, by the way. Fantastic people. It's the home of the super ramp. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. I tried to take that ramp one night. <laughs> Where would you put it? Well, I was. that's the thing. I was trying to figure it out, but I was teasing them. I was like, <laughs> I still have a scar from that ramp on my leg. I bet. Where I they bet. about took me out one night. Well, I broke my foot at that gig. Oh, no. Oh. How'd you oh, do yeah. that? Yeah. So as Tony knows, I'm super anal about cable runs. Okay. And we were flipping from REO Speedwagon into Sticks, the changeover, and there was one cable running downstage. And I'm like, whose fucking cable is this? And it was one of the guitar techs. Um, and it was uh, to his Bradshaw, whatever. And I had everything running, you know, off stage under a piece of Marley, taped down, everything was great. And there's this one cable. So I go to uh, I go, what is it? So anyway, he didn't have time to do it. So I grabbed the cable. My foot got stuck between the stage and a, and a sub. And I went over. And my foot, oh. yeah. Thank God there were people in the front oh. that caught me. And my foot literally broke. I only broke two. <laughs> but, uh, but I still got the band on stage. You know, I taped the cable down. And I'm hopping on one foot and I got the band on stage with flat, you know, and they're all looking at me like I'm, and I went right to urgent care and I was home the next day. You were like Gandalf with the Clint Kane there. (laughs) This was bad. This was, I missed surgery by that much. It hurts. I threw my back out a few days ago. I've been hobbling around. How does does it feel on your birthday? I'm like, oh, it's not the best time to ask me that. I can barely walk right now. It's actually a roadie friend. She's got to move. So I was helping her. Oh, back stuff's nightmare. <laughs> Terrible yeah. stuff. Trust me, I've had it. I've had neck stuff from jumping off stages. Oof. So. All right. So there's a, any other uh, any other fun people on the guest oh, list that was. Who's the, I'm trying to think of the, the, the woman um, race car driver. Um, oh, uh, the Google, the lady from GoDaddy, a little PR there. What's oh, her? No, not her. Not her. No, the, not a different uh, one. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. She would, uh, the quarter miler. Whatever you drag, she she they they had a movie about her. How now, where's, wheel? where's Mark Hogue when we need him? He would know. I know it'll <laughs> here. I can Google it real quick. He would know. But she was awesome. She was awesome. Um, uh, Got to put a name with it. Come on, Keith. Uh, you can do it. Danica, that's the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> Danica Patrick, but that's not her. Oh Jesus Christ! This is no. embarrassing. All right, so we're looking it up. 
<laughs> Strangest things on Ryder. Oh God. Uh, I don't know. There's a little bit of everything on different for all people, you know. Uh, I don't know. We had one. It was uh, on STP. We had Yuhu. And the Yoohoo had been on some other tour. Nobody drank Yoohoo. Nobody. So we just kept putting it under the bus every day, every day, every day. So finally, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll try one of these things. So they're really good. It's just sugary milk. <laughs> and so I started drinking it every day, but I was real quiet about it because I want anybody drinking all this Yoohoo because I knew about it now. <laughs> so I'd load it in the bus, I'd load it in the bus. And uh, I forgot who did it, but somebody started trying the Yoohoo and they're like, wow, this is pretty good. And I'm looking, I'm like, whoa, sh- whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whole bunch of <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't steal my you don't take don't tell everybody they're all gonna drink this stuff you know but it'd be great because no one had updated the rider nobody bothered to look nobody cared so it was the same rider i from the previous tour it was good shirley muldowney I would, there you go okay yeah, cool the, yeah the, tony you go see yep yep yeah i'm like wow you know four-time whatever drag racer woman with a woman legend drag to me that was that was kind of cool oh it's totally we can only cool. keep we can only keep so much stuff in our brains keith yeah, know, otherwise you know totally. you gotta gotta get rid of something every once in a while <laughs> hey i'm pushing 70 <laughs> give me a break <laughs> uh, uh tawny katane it was it was actually it was odd i had actually just on linkedin i had just contacted her and it was about maybe coming on and uh and then she passed away like out of nowhere so did you have any uh, meetings with her when you were working with um, White Snake? Uh, me? No, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I never, I never met her, and uh, and I, that was just that was something that you just never, you know, nobody ever talked about that. No. Okay. Know, on on White Snake, you know, um, David's a super nice guy, by the way, David Coverdale. Yeah. Super, super nice guy. One of the nicest, probably one of the nicest English gentleman guys I've ever worked for. I loved that Coverdale um, page album. I listened to it so many times. It was so good. That guy can sing, man. Yeah. Really? Yeah, he can still sing. I mean, he still sings, you know, better than you think he would for, for his age. Yeah. You know? But I think he's, he's figured out some things and how to work around it. Um, I do think he's, he's dropped some keys. <laughs> he's yeah. dropped a, a half step or so, but, um, but Hey, you know, I mean, at least he's still out there doing it. You know, yeah. I really enjoyed, I, I did two tours with, with, uh, with white snake. I really enjoyed working with David. Great, great guys. Great band. He Everybody puts in that people band together. Everybody, yeah. you know, every time we run into him, Tommy Aldridge and Joel and yeah, even when Doug Aldridge is in the band, I mean, this is uh, quality people. Yeah good guys oh, cool actually Tony, my wait. wife went to work for him a couple years ago how did that go that went well actually i got a i got a phone call from uh from from gideon hogan the tour manager and he said uh tony um i've uh i'm considering your your wife for this mate you know and i said are you okay with that and i went yeah man that's great no problem i said she's she's wonderful she she uh, started working with me on kid rock and uh, and then she went on to do White Snake on her own without me being there, and um, and then we just we just finished seventeen months with Foreigner right right when uh, this whole pandemic went uh, you know took everybody off the road. And what is she March. doing? What is her? What she? What's her role? She, what's she doing? She, well, she helped me for a long time. Like she would help me um, with the catering, advanced catering, because it's just something that 
usually my my production coordinator would do, and there was a couple tours where the production coordinator um, just kind of refused to do it, you know, for lack of a better word, you know? And I was like, well, okay, um, great. I'll get it done. And uh, so I kind of put it in her lap and she started doing it. She started advancing the dressing room writer and everything else. And, um, and then she came out on the road with me on Kid Rock and she, she liked it. And she wasn't, uh, we had sold our business here that, that she had. So she wasn't working doing that anymore. So she, her and I have been, we've been touring together now since um, 2015. How cool is that? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. super awesome. When, when we can make it happen, it's great. You know, that's most people don't even know when, when we go out there, people don't even know we're married. So that's what you want. And that's why it works. Keith, Keith, Keith oh, yeah. can attest to uh, husband wife teams where it doesn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> that was harder. There's a, there's a oh, few, yeah. there's a couple of those, but um, you know, Hey, if you can make it work, it's, it's yeah. wonderful because there's nothing worse than, than, than being away uh, from your, from your spouse and, or, or your children. I mean, I don't have children. Keith, Keith does. Uh, he can attest to this. But it's it's you know it's it's heartbreaking at times. It's I, I watch guys go through absolute misery um, because they they miss their family, you know. And I I feel for them, you know. And it's like you try to do things for them and and uh, you know try to make them you know enjoy their life on the road, which we all know, you know, if you're going to be on the road, you have to be happy on the road because there's nothing worse than a than a roadie who is not happy. Because yeah. <laughs> then nobody's happy. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I've been both. I've been happy quick. and I've been unhappy. So. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Mm-hmm. I got snapped out of my unhappiness by, uh, uh, believe it or not. I, do you know who Greg Price is? Sure. I mean, you know Greg Price. J- Joel, do you know Greg Price? Sound yeah, engineer? I think I've written to him. I think I'm going to have him on here. I have to. One of one of my dearest, dearest friends. I I, I love him to death. Um, he and I have known each other for a very long time. We started working together back when I was with Poison. And um, he, he, he stopped me one day when we were, I can't remember. I think, I think we, were, we, were doing, uh, we were doing Sabbath or Ozzy. And I used to help him fly his side of the PA. And he stopped me one day and he said, hey, man. He goes, what the fuck's wrong with you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, are you not, are you not listening to yourself? And he like started talking back to me like stuff that I was saying. And I'm like, wow, do I sound like that? And he goes, yeah. And I, I, I can never thank him enough for that because yeah. it's some, sometimes you just, you don't even know that you're doing it, you know? And I wasn't a production manager then. I was, you know, I was a, a drum tech and I was kind of like uh, Opie's kind of head back line wrangler kind of guy. And, uh, and yeah, you know, you, they, you, sometimes you need a, a check, you know? Oh yeah. I think a certain, at a certain point you get it and then you don't fall back into that. But I think when you're younger, you can really get disillusioned and and start to fall into that. You know, I think it can happen to anybody. I think it happened to anybody too. It's human nature to have your ups sure. and downs and maybe a little bit of priorities snap. too. You you I will never when I tell kids that are coming up into this, because I did mentor a class at Belmont College in Nashville. Oh. And these kids are just so wanting to get into this this whole lifestyle. I said, do not make the band your priority. You know, make yourself the priority, make your family the priority. The band is employment. You know, I was gone so long once because Tommy and I were off doing damn Yankees. We, we were, I, I wasn't home for months. And my wife says, why do you bother coming home? That was my check. Wow. And that was like, 
wow, why do I bother coming home? Well, yeah, that's how, that's yeah how. you're right. Yeah. So, you know, that's my one regret is, is, is not putting my priorities in, in the proper order. You know, I put the, well, it's the hard though, where you have to, you have to pay the bills too. So you can do it. You can do it all. I'm telling you. And still, you know, uh, keep your priorities in, in check. Yeah. There's a way to do it. Hmm. I just, I, I couldn't do it. I mean, it was, you know, that was always my top priority. What were your, what were your daily duties on uh, Guns N' Roses? Just kind of carpenter, I think was the official role, but whatever the hell Charlie yeah. wanted me to do, yeah. you know, I just run around doing whatever. Awesome. I've heard this from, I'm sure Keith has too, heard it from many different people saying, you know, um, you know, a lot of guys are just, you know, morphed into other things and they're not going to come back. They're not going to come you back. Know? And that's, that's from a touring perspective and also from a local perspective, which means that next year, I, I don't think that, that this year, I don't think touring is going to be uh, back at a point where we can say, ah, we're back. I think it's going to be next year. I think this year it's going to be a, a slow crawl and it's kind of a, a, a test phase. They're going to test the waters, yes. Right, and it's and it's already happening. It's happening, you know, particularly with country artists. They seem to be, you know, uh, hitting it pretty pretty hard from from what I've read. Uh, just tours going out, but there's some rock bands going out, some di different people doing things. But there's also, you know, it's a bit of a changing of a guard. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, I've. I've thought about it. I mean, I've done other things. I have done other things and I keep coming back to this. So I kind of already know that, you know, I'm going to do this probably until I can't do it anymore. You know, I'm, I'm hoping I have another 10 years. Um, you know, if I make it another five, I'll consider myself lucky. Um, but, uh, you know, this last 14 months has just been a kick in the head. So, um, for instance, you know, I put a, I put a note out there, you know, on my Facebook page, you know, Hey, look, if anybody is having any problems, if you just need someone to talk to, whatever, reach out, you know, you know, someone reach out to me, if you know me, you know, say hello, there's a friendly voice on the other end of the line. You're not alone in this, you know, yeah. because this has been a real mind check for anyone in this business. You know what I mean? Some yeah. some guys went back into like a construction business that they had or, or something else. Some guys haven't done anything. You know, some guys went to work for UPS or the post office or or FedEx or or whatever. They're not coming back. They're not some coming of them. back. Some, some of them are some not. Will, but a lot of them are not. And right. if, tour, if my phone rings later today with something, I may take it. I don't know. You know, I may head out. I may hire Tony. And say, ah. let me, I'll work. I'm ready, man. Yeah. But it's just, who knows? I'm not going to, I'm not going to say never. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy my time in Vegas because I didn't have to load out. I didn't have to tour, you know, so there's, there's still possibilities out there. Oh, there's always a new, a new day. There's always something yeah. to be positive about. All right. So, so many bands you guys have toured with. It's, it's really between the two of you. It's pretty seriously incredible. Um, what songs would you love to hear just one more time live? The last one. Yeah. <laughs> what songs? I have ones that are standout. That's why I thought it that I, I just loved listening to. You know, I actually don't know the name, but like Godsmack, Sully would do this 15 minute version of I'm just doing the best I ever did. I'm just doing the best that I can. And you go to every instrument 
<laughs> I just thought it was so cool. From the first time I saw him do it till, oh God, the 50th time or whatever. I don't know how long we toured. I can't remember, but but watch every time I, I, will, I love watching that. I, I really enjoyed it. I think he still does that. I'm sure he does because I mean I I just did uh, the I did the Shine Down Godsmack tour in, in 2018. Okay. And uh, and uh, you know I was working for Shine Down, but I was basically I was the I was the advancing production manager for both bands. I advanced the shows, and uh, he yeah that was a uh, was Colin was, on? Uh, he no Colin West. Yeah, was he on that one too? Uh, no, okay. no, that was just me. Nope. They're, he was, they're great performers. They were really fun to watch. I, I, I enjoyed they them are. a lot. And they're such, totally. nice, such good guys. That's the one thing, too, with change. You go on tour and you're like, ah, that band, that bad. I heard them on the radio. They're not interesting. And then you meet the guys and you're kind of like, oh, these guys are the best band in the world because they're such nice guys and everything. And then you want to you wanna make them better. It's, it's a good feeling when you, when you start to genuinely like the band, the music, everything about it. And then what you know, a double like, bill. Jesus. The what? Yeah, what a Sully is deal. a talented guy. Sully's oh, a so really much. talented guy. And uh, Kid Rock, you want to talk about? I mean, how many hit songs can this guy do? They just keeps churning them out. It's incredible. What a catalog! Yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's he's got a catalog. He's he's an interesting guy. Yeah, Detroit. Did you guys ever? Do you remember there was a roadie there who uh, he wasn't a roadie, he was a stagehand guy, and he had this big beaver tail hair. Yep. Is that guy still around? What's his name? The DTE. Well, uh, Pine Knob. I'm I'm sure Tony remembers the guy. He had like this this thing down to his knees, this uh, dreadlocks, I guess. It was was like a matted beaver tail. One matted piece of hair, but he cut it off. Yeah, I remember he cut it off. I was still around, and I kind of looked at him like, I mean, how would you do that? And he's just there. Yeah. The, the, that venue's had the same guys for a lot of years. Yeah, I don't Still know. One of my favorite venues. The audience is so cool. The people working there are so cool. You know, every it's just a it's a fun environment to to go hang out in. It's good stuff. It's the whole well, guys, vibe. I got one question. I'm asking some people. I haven't asked everybody, but I uh, I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. And my friend's fifth grade daughter was there with her two fifth grade friends. And uh, she said, well, we, ha- we have a question you need to ask people. And I'm like, yeah, what's your question? When did you first feel famous? And I was like, you know what? It's a better question than they, than they realized. And it was because you don't need to be quote unquote famous to feel famous. When in, when in your careers did you look out maybe and, and smile from ear to ear and feel, I say famous, but maybe it was uh, successful, like, like you had done something. there's times guys yeah <laughs> people like you guys people like you guys <laughs> well i don't know i've 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 never felt famous um yeah. i mean i i think you, you know i i keep going back to my very first gig yeah i i just kept pinching myself that because i was a huge frank zappa fan oh it's you know, hard not to be growing up i mean in, you know in the in the mid to late 70s early 80s and i went to work for him in 84 uh you know and it, it, i just i couldn't believe that i was working for frank zappa yeah you know and for me it just keeps going back to that you know another one was was def leppard yeah you know because i was a, i was a punter when def leppard was was opening for ozzy you know when when randy rose was still alive 
going, I went to that show and, you know, a few years later, I'm, I'm Rick Allen's drum tech, you know, I mean, just, just things like that, that kind of, you just kind of got kind of like, go, Hmm, well, how did that happen? You know, did you ever tech for Mick but, Fleetwood? Uh, no, All right. never did. A guy the other day was saying he sets his toms up in a different order and he's like, and I don't know why I was like, Hmm. That's interesting. Well, he's like six. Because he wants to. <laughs> yeah, because he damn well wants to. That's why. <laughs> right. That's famous. That's that's crazy. Well, I was in, I was the janitor in Paradise Theater. That's okay. as famous as I'll ever be. You know, so some kids would recognize me from the video. Um, that's cool. And they go, hey, there's the janitor. I'm like, yeah, great. I it's- think we all need those moments where you just... I don't know. You feel special. You know, something happened. It doesn't have to be a big event. It happened a night. It happened a long time. I brought my parents to a show. Oh, that's great. And uh, they were amazed at what it takes to put on a show. And I got to show them, you know, because they have no no idea what I did. And I I got to show them what I did. And to me, that was one of my best days of my life. You know, that's a good thing. Did them like gold. Uh, with sticks they were they were you know it was to see these little two little old jewish people you know going through catering oh when you get this every day i mean it was just an amazing day to show them what i did so it's a joy doing that it's it's a joy to to show particularly you know family and if they're older older family you know like when i was younger when we actually you know had older family that was still alive right um it was it was a great joy um, well, one of the other things for me was, uh, being in, I'm, I'm actually in a video, a poison video, pretty, oh, yeah. pretty famous video, every rose. So I'm, I'm actually oh. in that video, but, um, yeah, see if I you can find to, I'll have to rewatch it this evening. <laughs> I brought my dad to a show uh, to see STP. And uh, so he finished it and he goes, God suck. They're the better band. Definitely God better. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's God smack. Dad. <laughs> he was like them whatever much better very very good very very good <laughs> so it was wow, right. my dad used to race cars and he when he sat on that tour bus to him that was the neatest thing ever uh, it's just oh, yeah he, well he's just yeah. sitting in the ca- in the chair just like oh my god this really is what a machine you know can i look at the engine <laughs> so he was a car mechanic so it was a it's just those little things. It's standing and catering where they're looking at you, genuinely thinking like, "This is fantastic." Lucky you. <laughs> you get this every day. Every day. Yeah, that's what my mother said, and she said, "You sleep in there. You sleep in that in that little shelf in there." I said, "Yeah, that's uh, there's a bunch of other people in here too." So. <laughs> well, it must be good to to know they're proud of you. Has to has to be uh, has to be it makes. I guess the best day of my life. Yeah, yeah. it's good. It I would have paid yeah. big money for that. When, when, you're, when your mother's proud of what you do, <laughs> it, it, it definitely comes full circle for you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Most, most definitely. I mean, it did, it did for me. Yeah. You know, because for the longest time, you know, it was, it was, well, you know, really? What are you doing? Where are you at? She, she liked the fact that I was actually doing what I just, I was doing what I always wanted to do. Right. You know what I mean? Because like I said, I tried a lot of other things and they just didn't. You know, just like, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, and you're young enough to, to, to make the switch, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah it's we a have passion. A, it's a passion, yeah. you know? I'm, that's, in, uh, and I'm, in rock and, I'm in Rock and Rio and Charlie uh, going to the production office. I just called my mom. I got nothing to do. And uh, 
So I finish up the call. I hang up. I'm, I'm English. My mom's English. So uh, Charlie Hernandez looks at me and goes, you don't tell your mom you love her? Oh, no, Charlie. No, no. That, oh. would, uh, that, would, that would not be good. She thinks something's wrong. And he's like, you call her now. Oh, no, 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 no. You fucking work for me? You fucking call your mother back right now. You fucking tell her you love her. Yeah. All right, Charlie. So I, I go to the phone. I, I pick it up and I call my mom. I'm like, I just want you to know, mom, that I love you. Oh my God, is everything all right? <laughs> so I told him like, man, you, what did you do that for? He goes, good I told job. You. Get out. <laughs> go sit by the pool. Get out. Go. <laughs> Classic Charlie. That was yeah. good. You tell your mother you love her. Yes. Okay. All right. Every call. I never missed one. Yeah. Wow. No regrets. Well, I really appreciate you two taking the time to talk to me today. I, um, you know, a lot of these I've been like giving people a hard time. I wanted to be a bit careful with you guys because uh, I think a lot of us respect you so much. You know, thank you for for hiring so many roadies, giving people careers, giving people stories. You know, being you and uh, and 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 you know, loving the industry. <laughs> thank you, guys. You know, thanks for thanks for having us. Thanks for having me and and with Keith. Yeah, yeah. I think That's we did cool. good. It's really cool. Well, I look Anytime. forward to seeing you both doing stuff that you love to do very soon. And uh, I'll keep I bugging know. you. <laughs> I'll keep bugging you. Thanks for watching Party Like a Rockstar. If you're not already subscribed to the Facebook or YouTube channels, do it. We're also on Twitter. Instagram, and TikTok. The handle is Party of Stars. Thanks for watching. You'll see you next time.